So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Congratulations to Latitude Realty, our newest broker in the Rebus University's Preferred Partners Program. Brokers like Ameritim Realty, Dunes Properties, Impact Real Estate, Long and Foster, yes, Long and Foster with 11,000 agents in multiple states, Plumtree Realty, Real Estate Professionals, Realty Ohio, Remax Advantage, Remax Essential, Agent Strong. These brokers have taken it upon themselves to get their agents significant discounts on all of the 12 Rebus University courses. Their agents are learning from the best and producing like maniacs. If you're an agent at one of these companies, go to rebusuniversity.com right now and start learning today. If you want unpublished pricing for your agents, like these brokers have done, go to hybendigital.com backslash teams or simply call Katherine Brower at 843-749-9900. That's 843-749-9900. Your agents will be impressed. And now for the review of the day. Got a five-star review from Pole Fitness. She says, great podcast. I'm actually a title company rep. However, this podcast offers me great industry insight, and I can also implement many of the sales tips into my business. I listen every day. Pole Fitness. Send an email to Catherine, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, Catherine at rebusuniversity.com. Catherine has an incredible program that we're offering title and mortgage companies to give out as gifts to agents, memberships into rebusuniversity.com. And uh, it's really, really turned out to be something that a few mortgage and title companies have signed up or are very excited about. So definitely pull fitness. If you're getting this, if you're out there, get a hold of Catherine. Catherine at rebusuniversity.com. Catherine with a C. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast, so give me a one-star review if you want or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please, subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. Okay, Rockstar Nation, I have a great guest today coming from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I got Coach Rich Fino on the line, and, and Rich is uh, doing a lot of intrinsic study and coming up with some amazing uh, things with regards to agent succession plans, right? That's right. Uh, you may remember the episode we did uh, with Carol Greco at Long & Foster, who who was able to sell her business and did very well. One of the, one of the best uh, sales and most 
uh, professional sales I've seen in a long time of a team business. And uh, Rich has kind of taken that and taken uh, 32 other agents who have sold their businesses or in the process of selling their business or building businesses to sell and uh, created some things with it and is teaching agents about it. And uh, we're going to talk today about all the do's and don'ts you need to know about, well, quite frankly, selling your individual book of business, which I think a lot of people don't believe that they can do. And Rich is going to show you that, you, yes, you can, and you need to start thinking about that now. So without further ado, Rich, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Pat, thank you very much. Actually, before I even get into that, I just want to take the time to thank you, your contributions to myself professionally, and what you've done for the industry overall with this program has been significant. So thank you again very much for what you do, and I hope you do it for many, many years to come. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So, so Rich, let's talk about this. Get deep down. Well, first of all, why don't you tell everybody who you are and, um, and about yourself? I appreciate that. Uh, Coach Fino is what I'm known for in my marketplace. Uh, and that, uh, you know, I got into real estate in order to coach football, essentially. And uh, although that's taken on a whole brand and look for itself in my career. And now I'm blessed to serve as the director of professional development for Long and Foster. And in that role, I'm doing a lot of writing and uh, delivering trainings as well as coaching agents. And I'm excited to be spearheading this program, uh, which is the succession plan for Long and Foster. Wow, that's exciting. And I'm really glad that somebody's actually talking about this because, you know, uh, you know, pretty much every business out there right, has some sort of succession plan or at least dreams of a succession plan. And I think a lot of real estate agents do not do that. Uh, some that do are delusional about the money that they can get. And uh, I think it is uh, something that is definitely possible, but it is something that if not done right, can be extremely difficult. So let's first of all, talk about why Real estate agents don't do it, right? Why, why do agents just become dust in the wind and are, and are never, not never, and are rarely compensated for their book of business, right? If you're a book of business, if you're an insurance agent or you're a lawyer or what have you, a doctor even, you generally have a book of business that you could sell to another doctor when you retire. Uh, how come agents don't think this way? Well, I... I think it starts with mindset. So many people, when they get into the business, view this as a job and even a career. And in that case, when you retire and you have some sort of pension, great, that would seem in that scenario. Very few agents as independent contractors actually operate that way, where they go ahead and save money away in some sort of IRA, et cetera, and have a retirement plan for them to move forward. So your next best bet, aspect is to have the mindset of a business and one of the best readings i've ever came across the line said this why why even have a business if not to sell it at some point and if you have the mindset that i'm starting day one a business and at some point i want to be able to sell and maximize it and benefit from all that fruitful labor for a period of time that would start you on the right path so unfortunately now we have 10,000 people a day americans a day turning 65 looking at retirement in the face, and our industry is no different, yet they don't necessarily have an exit plan. And the good news is, is that as long as you give it a little time, you don't try to retire tomorrow selling your business, but as long as you give it a little time, you should be able to structure a pretty successful sale that allow you to benefit from your years of hard work for several years ongoing. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. So, so uh, because I really do believe that most agents do not. I mean, I mean, agents are notorious for chasing fizzbos at 77 years old. I mean, I hate it. breaks my heart. But I know agents personally that I thought were old when I, I got in the business at 21. And there they were agents that I thought were old when I got in the business. And I, I was in the business 25 years in the trenches. And now, you know, a, a lot of kids nowadays figure, would look at me and think I'm old. And these agents that I knew that I thought were old are still doing it. They're still out there, you know, showing houses, opening lockboxes on Sunday mornings at nine. I mean, what, what, what happens there, right? I mean, you know, they just, I tell you what happens. They don't save money. They don't have a succession plan and they have to, they're forced, right? They'll tell you, oh, I love the business, but that's all BS. So, so what do we do? How do we make sure, Rich, that we are not 77 years old? I, I apologize if you're 77 years old and you're, You've been in business 57 years and you're listening to this, but, but uh, what do we do to make sure we're not doing that? We're still not working uh, in retirement age. Yeah, if you're, if you're agents and you want to be able to do it by choice, not by force, right? So if, and, and that's essentially your point. There's many, I'm sure you know, some older agents that can nail it and they're doing it by choice. But when we talk about uh, those that are doing it by force and really would have a nice retirement succession plan, uh, the first things first, you got to realize that any business, if you have a consistent repeat uh, sales, is saleable. I want you to get that, any business. Because at the heart of it, what we're doing is we're transferring trust. I'm transferring the trust of my clients over years to an agent, to a newer agent to service them moving forward. If I'm able to transfer that trust, if I have that kind of relationships with my clientele over the years, and I feel good I can transfer the trust, you have a saleable business. Mm. And for, for frankly, why should the brokers be the only ones that benefit from building their businesses by selling and growing? Agents can too. Once you adopt that mindset, once you realize that at the heart of it, it's transfer of trust, it's a matter of just walking through a process. Now, it's a simple idea, can be a very complicated uh, process if you don't make sure you dot all your I's and cross your T's. Okay. Okay. So... Let's dig deep into it, right? What do we need to know? What do we need to start doing today? I want agents listening to this to pull their car over and write stuff down. Like, what? Uh, give me some notes. Give me some meat and potatoes. No problem. First off, we got to look at your business, your existing business, in four different foundations. They look at any business this way, okay? What What's your database like? How many people are in there? What kind of details do you have on it? Is it just a name and address? Or do you have the anniversary date, the home anniversary dates, the, the key interest, et cetera? How well segmented is that database? The money's in the data, right? I think that Gary Keller said that in his vision speech recently. I know that I didn't watch it, but I heard, heard several people say that, that that was the consensus of the whole speech was the money's in the data. And I've heard that before from other uh, uh, big companies, right? That's pretty much what everyone says. The money's in the data. So give me some specifics. What do I need to do? What data do I need to start collecting as an agent? Well, it helps, first of all, if you have it in one place, right? Do you have one system, a CRM system, et cetera? Many, unfortunately, many agents still have a quote-unquote database in three or four different spots. Get it in the one place. Make sure you have your records straight and your records are as detailed and parsed as possible. You want birthdays, anniversaries, call your jobs, current jobs. Call notes. 
that some of the best ones I've seen call notes from the less time they've talked to them, each interaction of that aspect of it. How well are you connected? Do you have their Facebook and are they engaged in Facebook, etc.? Those The more detailed you have of the database, the higher uh, value your business is to a buyer. That you're connected on LinkedIn, that you're following that you're a, a friend on Facebook, all, all those things would be considered data because you have then access to data. That's exactly it. Of and theirs, it, yeah. And the recency of records shows evidence of you're still in communication with your database. It's okay, hard. so tell me about that because that's something I witnessed firsthand. You know what I mean? Like uh, a lot of, when I sold my business, you know, I wasn't calling them anymore, right? And uh, we lost uh, a, a lot of business uh, just because uh, we didn't have a, a proper follow-up system where anybody else was even calling. I was mailing them stuff, but, but wasn't calling them. And I know that, um, I know that Brad and Carol, when they, when they sold their business, uh, Brad had a regular follow-up program where every quarter he would call them and say, Carol asked me to call you and just see how you are. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so not only do you have to have that database all clear and set to go, but you have to agree on a trust transfer process. And what I mean by that is once buyer and seller meet and in we disprofile, they have a discussion, they interview, and once they feel comfortable, they can trust each other. Now I can authentically transfer that trust to to another client. But I have to be able to make that announcement. I got to be able to set that expectation. What Carol and Brad did is a clear example of a trust transfer process. For this deal to work, this is what uh, the selling agent's going to do over a period of time to communicate with that database. And this is what the buying agent is going to do in the period of time to follow through and actually build those relationships. So you got so, so as a buyer and seller, and guys, he's not meaning buyer and seller of a home. He's meaning buying seller of a real estate book of business, clear expectations. G give me some more clear expectations that the buyer and seller of a book of real estate business need to map out. So one of the things I'm, I'm dealing with now is I get, uh, as people learn about this program, they bring to me their deal of where they thought they bought and had a deal in place and there's mis expectations. One of it was I bought her business. I haven't gotten anything out of it. And she expects me to mail, spend $3,000 in mailing a month. Whoa, wait a minute. And I said, well, what did your agreement say? Who's going to do what? We didn't uh, identify that. She just has that expectation for me. So that's the kind of detail that you really need to have fleshed out. What you should be doing as a buying agent, asking that selling agent to set up the meetings where the three of you are there between you two and their top ambassadors. Who's the number one person that's referred me over the years? Let's have that conversation. As it goes on, the the selling agent, the one selling their book of business, when they get a listing lead, they're going to go on the appointment with the buying agent with them, transfer the trust, but that buying agent's going to service it on out. Yeah, yeah, right. So you almost should like set up, you know, twenty five lunches in a row before settlement or or directly after settlement, meaning settlement of the book of business. Uh, where both agents go, and you you're introducing them to the top to these ambassadors that are saying, "This is why I use Carol," and 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 ensure them that you're going to do the same thing. That's great advice. Okay, cool. What else? So when you have the trust tra transfer activity, usually once we have that concept down place with buyer and seller, they're ready to go into it. The next thing they they get into a discussion about is how do I value my business? How much is my book of business worth? Yeah, right. So, so how do you do this? Like then, and this is the 
this is the key. I mean, I did have um, Steve Murray on. That's all he does. He's with Real Trends, and he just values businesses, and he started valuing teams. And, and he used a few examples. There was a big example of a, of a team, and there's a Remax guy out of Alaska. I can't remember his name. Another guy bought it. I don't know if he was Remax or Keller, but I almost think it was another company that another guy bought it. 2.5x EBITDA. 2.5 uh, was his, uh, you know, was his multiple that he used of the the profit shown on a tax return. Carolyn Brad's was, I believe, 3.5 or three even, I believe. So what are you saying? What 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 should somebody expect, and does it change uh, from the amount of business you do, do? Do you use the same amount if you're a solo agent who who sells thirty houses a year and has no assistance uh, as someone who has a team of thirty? So that multiplier is really about the the records. If you're if you're saying that you know my earnings are X amount and I'm going to use a multiplier, but my database has is of 20 people, but I'm closing 70 units a year. Hmm. Okay. So now, now what am I really buying? That's a high risk scenario. So I'd, I'd actually tell you to use an EBITDA that might be less than one in that advice scenario. And so, you mean, wait a minute, let me slow you down here. Less than one on a single agent. Yes. And then that's the, that's the why. Well, because you have, it's a risky purchase. Okay, yeah, yeah, I have the production history that I can see, but your records of how well and what you did to get to that production is not existent or it's horrible or it's sloppy. So from the buyer, they're taking on a higher risk. So not, not because they're a single agent, just, just, because, just because they have sloppy records. Correct, and that could be a team too, but at the end of the day, the, as you know, if you, have, if you had two houses together, one would give you every single detail of every time they changed the water heater and here's the warranty or whatever, yeah. and as Jack about that, you're just buying what you think you see. What's with that? agents, they, they're usually lying, right? If they're, if they're sloppy with their records, it means they're sloppy with their taxes, it means they're sloppy with their profit. Uh, I hate to say it, but you know that would probably be an indicator that, like you said, that you don't pay much for that, right? That, that's exactly it. So even at that time, that EBITDA multiplier is low. I mean, exceptionally low in that aspect because it represents the risk the buyer's taking on. But if your records are solid, okay, you have that solid database is one. Second is your transaction history. Now, what I like to do is take the transaction history, take all those addresses and put it in a program like Maptive. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But no, tell me about Maptiv. What is that? Maptiv allows you to put in a list of addresses and it pops it onto a map, like Bing Map for you, okay? And, and when you look at the map, you can see clearly if there's a geographic area where they own exceptionally well mm. and allow you to get a market share. Now, like a zip code or a neighborhood or whatever. You got it. Now, take that uh, very same thing from a buyer perspective, the buying agent, and take their business. You'll see where they might have an overlap, and so if someone has an overlap or an adjacent, there's a greater success that the business will take off the transfer of trust will go well versus two people on total opposite ends of the county. Oh, I was going to guess the opposite, actually. So I, I thought you were going to say the overlap, uh, the agent could say, well, if you get out of the business, I'm going to just take your business from you anyways, <laughs> right? Because we, we compete for the same listings. You but you're saying the opposite. I was like, you're saying you don't want an overlap, right? You that's you 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 don't you want to be 
No, the, you do want an overlap, right? Yes, you want overlap. You do want an over. Yeah, I thought you were going to say you don't want an overlap. No, no, no. Then you could just you could inherit those leads. So why pay for them? But you're well, saying you didn't. You don't want an over. You do want an overlap because the trust is there, and they're like, okay, I know you. You have a foot in the door. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. And, and you want you would want to pay your competitor to transfer that trust because if your competitor is really that tight, they can sell and transfer that trust to whoever, right? right. So if they transfer it to the, if the number one transfers it to the number two agent, there's, there's an awareness as well that also leads to a quicker trust level with those clients. Mm. So, you know, that's an important way to look at it from a transaction history standpoint, let alone the financial data. What was your profits? One thing to say, this was your GCI. How much did you take home? How much were you paying Zillow or et cetera in order to get those leads as opposed to how much of it was organic? So, so the chances of success are increased if you're actually buying and selling with a, someone who you may consider a competitor. That bingo. Mm, that's and, interesting. Okay. From a client's trust transferability. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I agree with it. Yep. I think so. most agents, though, are like, oh, I hate her. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's, that's very true. You, you got to think differently than that. You know? I mean, it's kind of like I kept, if Pepsi bought Coke or whatever, I mean, if Pepsi, if RC bought Pepsi, their market share would probably go down because people would be like, who's RC Cola? You know what I mean? Royal Crown, and then Coke would just take over. But wouldn't be so much if Pepsi bought them. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. There's an, there's an overall brand awareness that leads to a quicker trust transfer. Um, I like that. And it should convert well. So you have, you have that aspect. And the last I look at is a so transaction. You have database, tra um, transaction history, finances, and then you get into market share. And what I'm interested in market share, it's one thing to look at it from a zip code standpoint. It's another look at it from a demographic standpoint. Okay. How, what percentage of your business is listing versus buy? Which is first-time home buyers? What's your average price point, et cetera? When you have that broken down very clearly as a seller of a business, you're now setting yourself up to maximize your return. What it's worth may be very different when you're buying business depending on the, the buying agent. So if I'm that adjacent agent, that number two might be worth a little bit more than if I'm an agent on, clear across town. Okay. But that, so understanding the buyer agent profile as well will also help determine the overall value of that deal. Yeah, because I, I, like, uh, I remember um, some people I knew, and I mentioned this on the show one time before, and then I got a, I got a nasty email from somebody uh, 
who was involved in a transaction said I got it wrong, which I did. So I'm not going to use names, but I know of two agents and they were in two different states. And um, the one uh, bought the other one's business and uh, for a, a, a very nice multiple. I, it, it was a million dollars cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, it was like um, a portion of the million dollars cash and then, the, and then lump sums thereafter to total a million dollars over like two years, let's say, right? They actually moved out of town to retire and um, they had to move back because the, the person that bought it did such a terrible job, um, such a terrible job, just ran it to the ground. So I think what you're saying is it's not just a buyer looking to find a, who's the most suitable. It's not just a seller looking to find who's the most suitable buyer. It's a buyer looking to find who's the most suitable seller because that suitable seller could screw you up, especially if you're not getting a cash payment, which is very hard to get. I think that... Um, you know, one of the intriguing things about uh, Steve Murray's interview with this, with this Alaska sale, the guy was doing uh, one, it was netting a million dollars and he was able to get two and a half million dollars and it was paid in cash. So I, and I think that very few agents have two and a half million dollars. Very few have, you know, even a hundred thousand dollars to buy someone else's book. So, so how do you get around that? Right. How, how is it because some people that I've had on the show say, Pat, you know, you can't sell a business, right? These agents who think they can sell their business are delusional, right? No agent really, very few agents have a million dollars cash or even half a million dollars cash or, or whatever. So what, so what do you say to that, Rich? What, do you, what are some ways to do this? So the actual, you know, it's one thing to, to have all these business foundations, another to set a value. Now, how do we structure to make this happen? There's another component of it. How involved is the seller going to be uh, and for what period of time once this transaction starts? So it's one thing to say, here's my list. I'm off to Tijuana, okay, uh, from a seller's perspective. That's going to be a lower, lower sale price, et cetera. Uh, but you can take that dollar amount and we can get there one of two ways. I can write you a check today. Or I can do it all based off referral fees uh, over a period of time or some combination of both, uh, depending on the size and the value of that business. So, for example, Pat, let's say I valued your business at uh, $2 million, okay? Now, we can structure that to where I give you a million today and I pay a million over a five-year period, but you agree to work with me side-by-side as if we're a team for the first two years, Okay, the patent coach team, if you will. And then we officially announce your retirement at the end of two years, and you're going to get the residuals off that aspect of it. Let's say we think your business is worth a million, okay? But you're not, you're not able to give me that much time. You only can give me six months' work together. Guess what? I'll be happy to pay that over a five-year period referral fee only. Okay, so based on my ability to convert, et cetera, I'll give you a component of each deal all the way up to that amount. Do we guarantee that amount? That's a question that pops up. At the end of five years, if we only generated 800000 in revenue for you, do I, am I now on, on the hook for the other 2000 Okay? That's a discussion that has to be thought of. Many folks going into this don't. Or do we have a situation where if I do it off referral fees and I hit that amount in three years, do I still have to continue to pay you for two more years? So when we structure it, it's usually some form of that. Your two extremes, all referral fee or all upfront, and it's usually some sort of period for that for residual overtime. 
Yeah, if I remember Carol's right, it was it, it, she she had three years where she would get the net of what she would normally get, right? If she was working, right? She moved to Boston from Virginia. So if she stayed in Virginia, she would have got, let me just make up a number, because uh, gosh, it was like so it was like six hundred episodes ago, but let's just say she made four hundred thousand net on her tax returns, and she would make that three years in a row, and that would essentially pay uh, 3x, right? Yep. And then at that point, Brad gets 100% of what's left, and that was a that was a great, a great way to do a great way to do it. And she was involved. She was well involved. Like she was well involved. The letters came from both of them. The, there's a lot of introduction going on. I think that's really the way to do it. If you just run away, like I know when I sold mine uh, to Mike Sloan. Um, I went on book tour and there was a seven month period where I was traveling the country selling, you know, six steps to seven figures. And I was really busy. Matter of fact, that's where I met you, Rich, the first time um, when I came to Harrisburg and you were running an office there. Um, but during that time, I had very little interaction and, and it was, um, I think it hurt the, the transition there with that. I think that uh, it's very important that in that first two year period is crucial. You almost have to be like, um, well, big companies do this. I know a friend that sold uh, his business and he had to stay there for three years. They made him stay there as CEO for three years. Uh, that's part of the deal. And he couldn't find anybody that would let him just bail. And I think that that is how it probably should be in real estate too, right? You should almost stay there and have to do certain things for at least two years. Especially if you're buying someone with a team, and a key part is getting the tra the transfer of those team members over to the new person. Especially, so if you're selling a team, you want to first go to your team members. But if none of your team members are in a spot to go ahead and purchase and take over, and you got to sell to an external leader, your team members are your key asset. I would say that they're your key asset more so than your database. Quickly by your database, but your key asset. So if you're buying, you better make sure that that team leader is going to hang around for a little bit, at the very least, to transfer very personally and up close that team, if the team you're buying is of value to you. Yeah. And if you're buying, the best deal for you is, is, is a referral fee off the top because then the, the seller has to put their money where their mouth is, right? Their, their seller has to put their energy behind it or they don't get paid right? Uh, if you're a seller, that's probably the worst deal because you can't just run off to the sunset. You're, you're, you're still there, but you know, it's, 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 it's fair. It's all know? about what you're handing off, right? And having skin in the game on both ends. The, 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 what's funny is the Carol and Brad deal for every deal that I find like that, I find about three that have failed. Why? Mm. And, and all three of them center around one thing, mm. expectations. They mm. never, clearly defined who is going to do what the buyer assumed one thing, the seller assumed another. They trust each other. They were both in good intention. People liked each other, but never took the time to document who's going to do what and for how long. And that's usually the ones that fail. And I find about three of those for everyone successful. Wow. That's fascinating. That's all about expectations. And that means, I mean, that's a lot, right? So I think the, the consensus is right. I mean, you know, I, well, I guess, let me ask you this, right? How hard do you think it is for an agent building a team? Let's say an agent's building a team and the, you know, the goal of a team uh, you know, nowadays, of course, is to get 
to a level where you remove yourself. You become an attractive character or just somebody that's, you know, that people think is the real estate agent, but they never see him, hear from him or her, right? They built up this big team, all the agents and all the team members are doing all the work. How realistic that a team like that is going to be bought for cash? Wow. Like a company, right? Yeah. Well, I can tell you it happens all the time. They're just called one brokerage to another. And the mindset has to change where agents decide to do that from a book of business to another. It, it, can it be difficult? Sure. But what will increase your ability to succeed is getting yourself coached through the process. Period. End of story. If you go ahead and do that, if you try to do it on your own, how do I operate and run this team and go ahead and find a suitable seller and go through all the process? If you allow yourself to get yourself coached and connected in the way the situation, that person's going to make those connections for you and say, fill out this, do this, do this in the scenario to set your business up as possibly as we can. But I think it happens day in and day out from a brokerage standpoint. And I would love the mindset from an agent standpoint to view it. And now a word about Rebus University, the future of real estate training from Las Vegas, Nevada, Trish Williams. How many listings are you taking every month now? Last month I took nine listings. So you took more listings last month than you did all last year. Yes, I did. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You need to do the course. Even if you're already a listing agent, you need to you need to do this. You need to see what all the all the, all the big guys are doing, what they're what what they're out there doing, what information is there. You never can know too much and that the information is completely valuable. It's more more than I've, you know, I, I've seen anywhere in, in all the different training courses and, and I've, I've gone through quite a bit of different training courses. It's, um, it's more valuable than, um, than any of those that I've seen because it actually shows you the appointment and breaks it down, down to the call, down to the walk, down to the close. And it's not just one person and their, their way of doing it. There's eight different people. You see all this variation and you can see what works for you. If you want the listing success that Trish Williams has had, just type in the coupon code CLA50 on rebusuniversity.com. That's R-E-B-U-S university.com for, get this, 50% off the certified listing agent course. That's CLA50. You won't regret it. So let's talk about that because because this is a great topic. So I think from an a you know, and I've been watching some deals, right? There's there's been some deals made recently, right? So a lot of these big teams, I'm gonna just come out and say it, I don't care, right? A lot of these big teams have really, really, really poor profit. And they have what I call e, uh, ECI, ego commission income, right? So they're like, hey, yeah, we made three million or four million dollars, but their net is you know, 5%, which is 200 grand, right? And, and so most companies looking to buy other companies, you know, might look at them and say, hey, that margin is way too small, right? You know, I mean, there's, there's got to be some what, uh, what they would call value add, right? There's got to be something that we can do to, to make more money, right? To bring in more cash other than what's already being done. And, and the reason why companies are buying other companies 
and buying other teams or, or whatever with small margins is mortgage and title. Mm-hmm. Sure. And the institution of transaction fees. So they'll, they'll, you know, the agent, the team will charge a $195 transaction fee or whatever, and they'll say, we'll buy them and our transaction fees, $595. Immediately, we get $400 more per deal. Um, also, a mortgage and title, right? They say, you know, we're going to get mortgage and title business. That's all we care about. Matter of fact, there's companies now that, are, that only care about profit and mortgage and title. They, 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 they don't expect to make profit per transaction. So, so therein lies another question, which is, you know, if, if you have this massive team, do you have to be an independent? This may be contrary to what, because you work with Long and Foster, may be contrary to what, uh, what you want to say here, but at some level, do they have to be an independent in order to get sold no. for a decent amount of money? No. I, I hear what you're saying from, from that aspect of it, but at the end of the day, the, the value is from the buyer's, the buyer's aspect. You had said mortgage and title, and which is a common example. But at the end of the day, when I'm coaching a buyer, tell me, now that you've seen the full picture of what you're buying, what are you going to do to make more profit out of it, period? And that's part of what's going into their head from a questioning standpoint. So whether I'm buying an independent brokerage or I'm buying an existing team, the question doesn't change. It's just the numbers and how I profit from it is the same. Yeah. So do you think if you were, let's say you personally were going to buy a business, mm-hmm. a real estate team, a long, let's say it was a long and foster to long and foster transaction, and you had the choice, 70, uh, there was an agent with 75% listings and 25% buyers, or there was an agent with 75% buyers and 25% listings, which one would you buy? The listing side, and I would pay more for it. Why? Because I have a system to go ahead and probably get 75 buyers versus 25 buyers on their end. So if I didn't have that buy side system as well as I would, I wouldn't pay as much for it. But because I believe I can increase the overall buying side as well. It's easy to increase the buying side. Increasing the listing side is the dirty work. And if someone's already done that dirty work, it's worth more money, right? That's exactly it. Now, you may have somebody that had a value. Well, what's their relationship with those buyers? Because those buyers are listings tomorrow. So that's why the eye of the beholder is pretty significant in this scenario. Me personally, that 75 uh, listing side all day because I know how to convert to get more and more buyers out of a listing. No better lead generation tool on the planet than a priced right listing that's marketed correct. And so that, that, there's something everybody needs to pay attention to. If you are going to try to sell your team or sell your book, it's going to be a lot more valuable and a lot easier to sell if you build a listing-based business. Mm-hmm. And if you build, in my belief, a referral-based business, like Carol did, right, where people know you and trust you. If you are building a business off of leads that you're buying on the internet, I would think that that is going to be harder to get a decent number or sell for because anybody, right? Because as soon as you stop paying that dog, as soon as you stop you know, paying, if you have a big team and you're paying ten grand a month to Zillow, Right? As soon as you stop paying that, they're just going to sell it to another agent or five other agents. Right, That cost shows up in your EBITDA number, so just in flat-out accounting, it shows up as being a less-valued business to begin with, let alone the uniqueness. Yeah, the uniqueness. There's nothing proprietary. 
That's right. The uniqueness of the, the uniqueness of the business I'm looking to buy is when people have unique relationships with key people and are willing to transfer the trust of those relationships to me. If right. All is buying your zip codes. Yeah. So if you have a uniqueness and a uniqueness would be like if you're the, if you have a 50% market share in Bowling Brook Farms and uh, everybody knows your name, that that's a uniqueness, right? There's no unique uniqueness to, to, to showing up because you have a paid ad on, um, you know, on some platform. None. No, if I, so one of the things, Carol, I interviewed Carol recently and she had said, hey, the advice that I want you to give, and I want everyone listening to this podcast. Yeah, everybody write this down. Okay? I, I don't care if you're, if you just got licensed yesterday, I want you to operate today and every day forward as if you are building a business to sell it. Because when you do so, you will hold yourself accountable to keeping far better records and keeping your numbers and being aware of it. But more importantly, you'll build something that you will pay off so you're not 77, 87, 97 showing FISBOs because you have to. I want you to be that age showing FISBOs because you want to, not because you have to. And if you put yourself in that position, now you've gotten the ability to sell something that you can structure a deal that can pay you for many, many years to come once you stop actively working it. Man, that's deep. That's great, Rich. I really appreciate it. And guys, I know that, you know, we've mentioned this episode several times here. And um, here's the funny thing it is episode 69. I am, I am, but this is going to be close to 690. So I've probably had, so yeah, so I've had about 600 episodes since this episode, but I always send people back to this episode because very few people have come on the show and actually talked about um, actually selling their business and done it effectively where both people were happy, right? Where both people were like, that's a good deal. I mean, I really think Carol got a, a, a bombastic deal, right? She was able to get, you know, like, and you'll listen to the episode and see, but a, a good solid number. Through several years in a row, so she could move to Boston. And Brad, who bought it, um, Brad Wisely, um, it was very happy with the transition and his business grew. As a matter of fact, Brad had done this before. He had bought another business, um, another person's business. So here's the funny part, guys. I mean, this podcast has changed dramatically since this episode. Go back to episode 69. I think we used to use sound effects uh, back then throughout the show. There's, there's uh, the only way you could get it because iTunes only um, uh, does like the last 150. You can't even get it on. You have to go to hybendigital.com and just type in Greco, G-R-E-C-O, or 69. Just type in 69 in the search bar and it'll pop up. But I, I highly recommend you listen to that as a, as a benchmark and you can see I need to get her back or we'll probably get Brad back on the show so he can update us on what's happening in the la what's happened in the last three years. And um, Rich, as you know, everybody that comes on the show here uh, brings a free gift, right? And I know Dave Kennard, who's with Long & Foster, recently brought us an incredible gift on leadership that is in our agent success toolbox. And what can you give us today um, that our rock star listeners can listen to and, and improve their business with? Well, I'll tell you what, what I'll be willing to do is uh, give you the guide for the top 10 tips to be to make a successful sale and or purchase of a business. So at Long and Foster, we're blessed to have a system set up where we walk people through it. 
including the contracts, templates. Heck, we even got a mini uh, MLS, you will, people willing to sell their business in that. Oh, wow. Hey, let's stop right there. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. That's great. I love that. Okay, keep going. An MLS, how many agents are at Long & Foster now? What are we, 11,000, I believe? 11,000 agents. So talk about it. Like a lot of people come on here about expansion, right? And they want to expand, you know, open it, open over here and here and here. And it's hard, man. It's hard. The one thing I'm finding with talking to expansion agents on the show, it's very difficult to talk about profit margins. Good Lord. Uh, their profit margins are it's tough. Um, but if you could buy an existing business that's unique, it's proprietary uh, in another area, that would be a quick way to go from A to B, especially if you do it the way Rich is recommending. So an MLS for agents. Okay, keep talking, Rich. So that, that's what we're, we're able to provide here at Long and Foster for our agents. And in that, there's a whole bunch of training and guides for whatever. We're going to give you the top 10 list of the most common things to do successful, five successful things and five things not to do to help any agent listening to this going about their own program. Wow. I am going to put that on hybendigital.com backslash Rich Fino, and that's R-I-C-H-F-I-N-O. That's hybendigital.com backslash Rich Fino. Now, we'll also put it uh, among all the other gifts that our guests have brought on hybendigital.com backslash toolbox, or you can text the word toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. Mr. Rich, listen, if I'm ever in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, let's get together and break some bread, my friend. I'd love to, love to, Pat. You've had a lot of value to me, and I'm looking forward to continued years of that. Thank you so much for tuning in to Real Estate Rockstars. If this free content is giving you a ton of value, I want to ask a small favor in return. I need you to pull out your pointing finger and hit the subscribe button. Yes, hit subscribe, please. The more subscribers that we get on Real Estate Rockstars, the better guests are attracted to the shows. We'll get more guests from the top companies, from the top teams, and even more celebrity guests like Robert Kiyosaki and Barbara Corcoran. Also, if you're not a member of our free Facebook group, go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio right on Facebook and join the conversation. I'm on there myself on FaceTime Lives. And we have a lot of communications and questions about the show, and I'd love to see you there. And it's free. People ask me all the time, where am I on social media? I'm real easy to find. Just type in my name. My IG is I am Pat Hyben. It is blowing up on Instagram, adding tons of subscribers. And I'm on there probably twice a day. So definitely follow me on Instagram as well as everywhere else. Thanks again for listening and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.